Welcome to the North. Welcome to welcome to yeah the From the North podcast. Welcome to the North. This is our episode of Games of Thrones. No, I like that show though, <laughs> except for season seven and eight. That's all I'm gonna say about that. Because I get really heated when we talk about Game of Thrones. So. Oh really? I didn't know this. It's so angry. No. <laughs> I love the cinematography of it. No fan likes how that show. No, ended. it's garbage, and I'm so mad. A year and a half later. Okay, so intro. <laughs> that was the whole the world intro. is too. From the north, a Masonic podcast where three <laughs> gentlemen brothers Ooh, from like the northernmost lodge in the state of Utah, in its mm-hmm. grand jurisdiction, get together and talk about those three things that I've just forgot again. <laughs> Life lodge. And, and being a better, better man. man. My name is Gary Roberts. I currently sit as Tyler of Harmony Lodge number 21. I am Jason Lee, and I sit as Junior Deacon. My name is AC Ransom. I am Senior Steward, all in the same lodge. And there we go. We should do an intro where we introduce each other instead of introducing ourselves. Yeah, because that would throw things in. I like that. Into things we'll do that next time. Yeah. Um... <laughs> Yeah, we I, still don't have a you guys, I have to edit this. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I can edit. I'll be, I'll, I'll be about it, but I can edit. Um, okay. So anything new Masonically that we've recently discovered? Any new stories we've had? I mean, let's just talk about, uh, you're not the political Anything climate. new about anything? What if we, what so if we Logan, heard it's not politics? Logan, I mean, we can talk about politics, but Logan is super smoky right now. Uh, and Gary, you gave us a statistic earlier today. Yeah, about... so the, the, it's the equivalency of what we're running through our lungs is the equivalency of smoking five cigarettes in a 24-hour period. So every 24 hours you're smoking five cigarettes. We're smoking five cigarettes. That's nothing for some people, though. That's not. Uh, yeah, but like those people that are already smoking five, now they're smoking ten. Yeah, but our valley up here is a bowl, and, then, and we sit in what they call in an inversion a lot, even though it's more noticeable in the winter than it is in the summer. Um, and in the winter, we have uh, as good of air quality as uh, L.A. does. Ugh. Yeah, I think so sometimes super we're soupy. like worst air yeah. quality. We're like a day or two. We'll, so it's just we'll the shape of the valley, and, and there's 120,000 people living in it, and, and their cars and their cows flatulating and all sorts of stuff. <laughs> I don't want to be one of those people that, like, uh, so, but, like, there is, like, a correlation between, strongly correlation, between, uh, like, the amount of pollution in an area and, like, cases of autism, uh, among other things. Oh, so, like, really? New Jersey, for example, is, like, super, one of the, one of the biggest in the country for, like, cases of autism, but they also have tons of pollution, right? And, like, Logan, uh, Logan Valley actually has, like, a very high, from, and, I probably should have looked up statistics before I started saying this crap. Maybe we don't even put this in there. But, like, uh, Logan has a very high rate of autism, and we also have horrible pollution, right? It'd be um, an interesting thing to study further and see if you could prove a link. Well, there's definitely a correlation. That's interesting, though. I mean, because we're, uh, the company I work for, we do a lot of the air quality monitoring up here, or help with the air quality, or have the instrumentation that does the air quality measurements. And we've just barely installed, well, I shouldn't say us, um, Utah State University has done it, but they've installed these PM25 monitors up here. And it's interesting to get the data. 
and take a peek and do correlation with data that you would have access to. It'd be interesting. It'd be super interesting. Yeah. Um, Geek out right there. I could do that for days. I love looking I like, at data. I like data as I've previously established. Uh, <laughs> so what does that have to do with us as Freemasons? Yeah, um, I mean... So I get my cigar every day. Without <laughs> even trying. I would say you could bring that to a Masonic thing as um, we are discussing getting facts for yourself to learn things. That's true. Because somebody could just see a tweet saying, oh, pollution and autism, and just believe it, yeah. versus the whole, oh, we should look into that more and learn more about it and find out for ourselves. Totally. And, like, to speak to that, like, I literally just did that. Like, um, I haven't gone through the data to, like, actually see that correlation, right? Like, uh, I just know that some of, like, the people I look up to, not, not as, like, heroes, but, like, as mentors... Like, that's what they've said. And so, like, in my brain, it's like, oh, it must be true then. And, like, I just did the exact same thing. It is okay to have a trusted source. Sounds like there sure. are people who are actually, I mean, if you can prove that your source is one that does his research. But everyone has a bias. Source. Um, like, and that's, that's the thing, like. Even if you don't want bias. As soon as you write a word mm-hmm. on a piece of paper, there's bias. Totally. And, like, for all I know, those people that have said that were just, like, frustrated with the pollution levels of Logan and, like, they had just heard it once and were just, like, repeating it because they were just frustrated and they were doing an emotional response and it had nothing to do with, like, facts or science. But now that went to me and, like, I take it as a fact. I take it as science, even though they didn't intend for that to be the case. You know, it could be a million things. And I just realized, like, I'm doing the exact same motherfucking thing. thing. Yep. Believe that. But it's hard not to. There's this guy who is a brother and he'll, he'll be on podcasts. He'll do live streams sometimes. And I treat a good chunk of what he says as, if not as fact, at least a valid opinion to have. Because he does do his research and stuff. But I should probably go check the research myself. Totally. Problem is, and I think that's why a lot of people don't, it just takes... It is boring. It takes time. Yeah. You have to to look up, like, there's always multiple sources for one little thing like what we've just discussed. And to go check all of that yourself is a lot of work. Which is funny because we are living in what they call the information age. Totally. Yeah, it's never been easier to get data and we, than we it use is now. less of it. And, well, and we don't use it. I don't know it. if we all use less of it, but it seems like less is used. So I saw this on Facebook the other day. This is a, a, a quote from The Demon Haunted World, written by Carl Sagan. Ooh. So... Shut up. This could get get a little political in what he has to say there. But it is very apropos to today. He goes on, he says, I have, and I can't remember when this was written. It's like in the 80s, I think. Don't quote me, though. I have a foreboding of an America in my children or grandchildren's time when the United States is a service and information economy where nearly all the key manufacturing industries have slipped away to other countries. When awesome technological powers are in the hands of a very few and no one representing the public interest can even grasp the issues, when people have lost the abilities to set their own agendas or knowledgeably question those in authority, when clutching our crystals... Uh, and nervously consulting our own horoscopes, our cultural facilities are in decline, and able to distinguish between 
what feels good and what's true. We slide almost without noticing back into superstition and darkness. The dumbing down of America is most evident in the slow decay of substance of substantive content in the man he uses a lot of big words in the enormously influential media. The 30-second sound bites now down to 10 seconds or less. The lowest common denominator programming, cred or credulous presentations on pseudoscience and superstition, but especially the kind of celebration of ignorance. That guy was very smart. Yeah, he's so smart he writes big words that I can't <laughs> say. But I mean, essentially, he was just like he kind of had a vision of kind of the way things he, are now. We, we, we take things in short little sound bites and we run with them and we run with them as fact. Yeah. And we don't go and say, I need to make this my own knowledge. And that's the thing, like, I think we're all guilty of that. Like, I think that's human nature, right? Like, we, again, I did it four seconds ago. Um, like, that's, I think that's part of human nature. But I think it's important to recognize when we do that. Um, and is, if we're, is that because we just as humans have a tendency to be very trusting of each other? Um, I don't know. Authority. Yeah. There's some what interesting, seems to be authority. There's some interesting studies that, that talk about that. I don't know. I don't, it's, I'm a guy who's actually against authority. So there's a, having sat in positions of authority. So one of the most famous, I guess, authority, uh, authority studies was done by a guy named Stanley Milgram. Um, he did, I mean, among others, but he did essentially this study, and you've probably heard of it to some extent, where he would bring two people in. Uh, one was like the person that was actually being tested, and the other one was like kind of in on the study. We call them confederates. Uh, and so what they would do is they would say that they were randomly assigning you to either the learner or the teacher. Uh, it wasn't random, of course. One of the people was in on it. Uh, and so they would assign this uh, person you've never met before as the learner. And your job as the teacher, not really knowing what's going on, was to ask this learner questions. And every time they would get the answer wrong, you would give them a shock, like a like a like a shock. Ooh, that would be fun to do um, in lodge. Now again, none of none of it was real, right? Nobody was actually getting shocked. Okay. Uh, but like in the room next to you, you would hear you could hear the person being like, "Ah, that hurt." Um, and they would, and I think they would even start with like giving you an example of like what does 15 volts feel like? Uh, it's like you would be kind of shocked, like know what that feels like. Um, but, that, but that's the interesting thing is that it would start at 15 volts, but as the learner got more questions wrong, it would start going up to 30 and then 45. Um, and at the end of like this kind of switchboard, there was, uh, it, it had like triple X or something like yeah, super it dangerous. It was just like an X or whatever. Yeah. Like, like it, bad business. Yeah. It would say something like that. And, uh, the question was with the study, how far would people go on this board? Right. And behind this person, they did a lot of variations of this where some of them, I think, was just like a phone call or a recording. But the most common one that they cite is that there would be someone in a lab coat that when the person was like, ooh, I don't feel comfortable about shocking someone, the person in a lab coat would say something just like, the study requires that you continue. Or like something like Or just please, please go on with the study. Well, they, like, I, not I, I really think, a lot of pressure, just that person with authority saying, like, like, oh, please don't stop. I think they, I think they did say something to the effect of, like, the study requires that you continue. But, again, they did a couple variations where, like, uh, originally they did it just with men. They did another study where it was with women. There was no difference. They did a study where it was, like, if instead of having an authoritative person, there's just a recording telling you that you have to do this. Like, what does that do, right? Um, but, anyways, the, the most common one where you have the person with the lab coat 
uh, it turns out they interviewed a bunch of like psychologists um, and said like what percentage of people will go all the way like who would go all the way to the end and like essentially kill this person with shock um, and the psychologist said that only like I think it was like one percent because that's sadistic behavior and we know that like that one of the percent of the population is sadistic. Is sadistic, yeah. Oh, great. Um, and so they said something like that. I, and I, I'm, I can't remember the exact numbers, but it was something like that. Um, it turns out they couldn't have been, like, more wrong. Like, two-thirds of everyone that was in that study went all the way to the end. Really? Absolutely. A lot of people complied with what they are being asked to do. Even and don't, don't get me wrong. Right. Because of authority. Yeah, they all complained about it. Like, they, they're good people, right? They would get to, like, they felt the 15-volt shock. They know it's not that big of a deal. So, yeah, we can do 15. Not a big deal. But eventually you kind of get down there and they maybe hear the other person say they have, like, a heart condition or something. Or um, start screaming when they get shocked. Totally. Know? And, like, again, they're good well, people. You know, shocked. And so they turn around to the, to the guy in the lab coat. They're like, oh, I do not feel good about this. Like, this is not okay. Whatever, right? You complain. You... They, they would say that it was not good, but the the, lab, the person in Lapco, this authority figure, would just say, the study requires that you go on. Um, like, they're going to, like, the person in authority is going to take all the responsibility for it. So, you're guilt-free. So, people would go all the way, two-thirds, uh, went all the way. And again, they did other studies where uh, they would also show, like, you would see someone before you rebel. You would, like, again, it was somebody that was in on it. But the person before you would say, no, I'm not doing this, this is stupid, and they'd walk out. And if the person before you rebelled, like, 99% of people would also rebel. rebel. Uh, and so it was just, uh, it was a study trying to dial in, like, what does it take for you to be evil? And I think Stanley Milgram, uh, the reason he did this, this study was because he was actually Jewish. Um, and I think he was trying to figure mm. out, like... How could these people do those exactly, terrible things? How could these people do those terrible things in, like, the Holocaust? Uh, and, like, how do we get to that point? Could a Holocaust or something similar happen here in America? And, of course, people say, no, it, it wouldn't happen. We're not Nazi Germany. But from his experiment, he shows, like, at least two-thirds of people will literally kill a guy because somebody says do it uh, or somebody is an authority figure. So it's interesting because, like, there is this tendency of a human being to go with the crowd, to go with that authority figure. And to be honest with you, I don't even remember what we were talking about when I started talking about Stanley Milgram, but there you go. Do you remember what we were talking about? No, 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 no. It, it, it's all flowed, basically. Right, but I, I mean, I was, I was thinking maybe it was because of just our, our uh, uh, human nature is that we trust people first, most of the time, and so we'll just we'll just take what they say as fact. Oh, that's right. That's where we started. I think it also speaks to that. There is no virtue in weakness. Most people don't have it predecided what they will and won't do. They just kind of exist and go through life and do what they're told. And so they're not strong in that sense. And so when they're when it comes time to make that choice or to com compromise something, then they will. And so by not being determinedly strong and good, you become weak and bad. I also think it... it Which might be like a little bit of like... A, no, actually, I'll stand by it, yeah. I think it also kind of speaks to, like, it's really easy when you're not in a situation like that to say how you'll respond. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Right. Which really... is part of the weakness of, like, oh, I, clearly I wouldn't. Yeah, I'd but, take a bullet for that person. But in, but in the USSR, with Stalin and everything, it was called the USSR, anyway, um, one out of three people were Soviet um, informants. So if you had a mom and dad and, like, five kids, 
odds are one, at least one of those people are going to turn in their own fam family for something they do and get them hauled, hauled off to the the gulag or something. And it goes goes along with that. Um, there's a lot of studies that you can, well, not a lot, because a lot of them are super unethical, but, like, there are some other <laughs> studies that, like, speak to this, like, uh, willingness to follow authority. So, like, there's another guy... I can't remember his first name. Philip Zimbardo, I think it is. Uh, he did the Stanford Prison Experiment. Oh, that's where. I uh, and there's like some methodological issues with his study, but that was a, that was essentially kind of a similar thing where he got uh, random kids from the college that he specifically picked because they had good like mental fortitude or whatever. I can't remember how he describes it, but uh, they were mentally healthy, uh, and he picked them because they're normal and like there shouldn't be any issues. And then he randomly divided them into two groups: the prisoners and the guards. Uh, and he was the warden, which is kind of not great for a study. Like, you don't want to be that directly involved, but whatever. Um, and sure enough, like, the prisoners, uh, were, like, the subjects of, like, abuse, and, like, uh, they would make them, they would strip them naked, and, like, make them clean out the toilet bowls with, like, their hands or stuff. Uh, like, the guards would do this. Um, and again, it came down to this thing of, like, you have a warden that's the authority figure that, like, takes all the blame, quote-unquote, uh, and so, like, they kind of, like, it's, the, the thought being, like, this releases your inner demons. Um, now, again, this prison experiment kind of has some issues with its, uh, methods, but there's a lot of, there's, like, Robber's Cove or something, I think is another one. Where yeah, they did it with kids, yeah, I've heard of that one. Yeah. Uh, where, I think they, this, uh, again, But I'm, they kind of prove of that one, though, that it took a lot of pushing this. from the adults in charge to get the kids. Well, no, I Because even though there was a, ri a rivalry between them. They celebrated one kid's birthday in one of the camps, and the kid asked, can we invite the other team, even though they'd already established the ri the rivalry and stuff, so the adults actually had to um, push. A fair and then once they had been pushed, it was established, and the kids did some things themselves. But the kids wanted to compete, but not be mean. I can't remember. I don't remember the study that well, because I just remember the kids calling the other kids communists, and like all sorts of stuff just and like obviously they there was random kids like they weren't anything um and then i remember that like they planned the study to go for like two weeks or something but uh the kids were getting so intense with each other that like they had to cut it short and then but what was interesting though about that one and the, the point i wanted to really talk about is like the flow can go the other way too is like because i think at, at robert's Cove what they did is uh then they started doing like uh tasks that like they had to work together on to like make progress like, i think like the, the end, bus yeah. broke down and like they had to work together and something with like their water yeah and so like they had to work together to like make uh anything and like that resolved a lot of the issues like they went from like hating each other to like being able to work with each other and like mm -hmm. being tolerant of each other and i think that's the point right like depending on who our authority figures are we can actually we can absolutely engineer a human race that like hates each other and is horrible to each other but we can also engineer a human race that like is tolerant of each other, that cares for each other. Um, because again, this phenomenon of the, the authority figure being able to quite literally control other people's behaviors, that's not pretend, that's not fake, right? Like that's very real. And so it depends, so if we put people in authority that take us to worse places, we can't really be surprised when people act worse, right? Of course they are. We know that's what's gonna happen. Uh, so what we need to work on is putting in people in authority that will take us to better places. Um, now, that doesn't mean that's easy or even that it's possible. But, like, it also does kind of explain, like, there's a reason that we're hyper-polarized these days, right? Like, right, you're on right. one side or the other. 
Uh, the people in charge are. Well, and that benefits their cause, right? Mm -hmm. If they can get a bunch of very, very, regardless of where you lean, where you stand, if you can get a lot of people that devoutly support you, that is only beneficial to you. Um, so, of course, that's what they do. Like, we shouldn't be surprised by that. Um, and that's what the system, like, allows them to do. Um, so, I don't know. There's no point to this. There's no, like, grand philosophical end of, like, here's how we solve things. It's just, like, you look at this stuff, like, you look at what Carl Sagan says, and it's like, wow, how awesome he was for predicting, like, this is what the world would kind of look like. But also, like, yeah, of course that's what it's going to look like. Of, of course it is. Because we know these things about human nature, and why wouldn't we be at this point? Like, it's not surprising. Right. Oh, man, I've made myself sad. <laughs> well, but how do you, how do you, I mean, you take it, take some of these uh, cases back to your, uh, your lodge structure. We vote in somebody every year to, to that we uh, say is in charge for that year, that Masonic year, and, and we, we don't, outright say it but we in the in the back of our heads we all think it that we are subject to hmm. his decisions for a year Gary, when it comes off, to masonically thank you for bringing this to masons because i didn't know how to end that um and that's awesome that was perfect <laughs> that's all i want to say thank you <laughs> but no but i mean I, I think it's interesting i mean you can learn from those social studies and you can go well, how can i how can i how can i take this back to lodge how can i make it a better place because we have a a hierarchy there's a group of people there and and if the master does things this way the year isn't going to be um is going to be a good one and things will go well or you're going to divide your lodge and have two groups mm -hmm. against each other it could be the membership against the master or half the lodge against the other half of the lodge or it could be a year where everybody pulls together and just rocks the tar out of things and i mean, it'd be curious to find out what you know like in that study especially with those kids what it was that brought them together and if there were other studies like that what was the thing that brought them together um maybe you take it back and maybe even look at, at, at military groups and and firefighters mm -hmm. and police officers that fight in the trenches with each other in extreme conditions and and for some reason they gain a brotherhood and, and an almost unbreakable bond of loyalty because of the experiences that they've had together that they will not not do anything to offend that that mm -hmm. brother so that's what i would say is i i, I want to highlight two points from what you just said because I, I really really like it um because I, I was feeling really down. I was like, oh, man, yeah, everything's screwed. Everything's ruined. There's no point in trying to do anything because, like, of course we can't change. But, like, you can have an impact on your local environment, and that's what masonry is all about is change your community. Like, do I need to figure out how to change the country? No, because I can change my community. I can have a positive impact right here, right now. And one of the easiest ways to do that is absolutely like you're saying, like through Lodge. Uh, we can, we, we're coming up on elections in November and like, we can absolutely put, I mean, we could put whoever the heck we want into that position, but if we choose someone that's going to be the authority that leads us down a, a darker path, a quote, I mean, I'm just making up words now, but like right. if, if we take, take that person because we feel pressured or because we want to, or because that's just tradition or whatever, um, then like 
we can't be surprised when the next year doesn't go well. Um, but if we put who we actually think will bring the lodge together and like build that camaraderie, build that uh, trust in each other, then that's who we should elect, almost regardless of who they are, uh, because that's what will help. That's what makes a lodge year good. Um, the second thing I wanted to highlight is, you talked about a lot, is that shared experience. And I think that's why Masons can meet on the level, not all the time, right? We always have the one that decides they're not, they are better than everybody and they don't care about meeting on the level. But like, I think that's why we can, is because that's why Masonry is useful. It's a shared experience. We all went through the same degrees. We all went through the same like learning process. We all went through these same things that honestly some parts of it sucked because you have to memorize and you have to like learn and who the heck likes that but because we all have this shared almost <laughs> suffering <laughs> right it's not it's, it's probably like the lowest level of suffering you can because you're memorizing <laughs> something but like because we all have this shared experience we have something in common we have something that we can always fall back on as a level of trust right, right. that's why masonry is valuable not because it's just a bunch of random dudes hanging out, but because it's a bunch of random dudes that have a shared experience. That it doesn't matter where you come from, we all have the shared experience. And I think that's how you fight uh, the lack of tolerance. I think that's how you fight hyperpolarization, racism, sexism. Is you get if you're feeling racist tendencies, like start hanging out with people of whatever race you feel that towards. Right, build that camaraderie with them, and you'll be less racist because of what you're talking about. Because of, you know, you have firefighters that share these life-threatening situations. It doesn't matter where you come from. You have to trust each other. And so like that, even if you're racist going in, right, you can come out of that not being racist or less racist. Mm. Um, and so I think it's that shared experience. It's that shared, honestly, I'm going to say suffering. Like if you go through crap with someone, you two are thicker than blood, right? Like that's what, that's what binds you together. Uh, I think you're exactly right. That it's that it's the shared experiences. It's the it's the the commonality of that shared experience that creates the bond that you can always fall back to. And I'll add into that. It's also the shared principles. Mm-hmm. Like you both, it's not only the shared experience, but the same, not necessarily beliefs. No, because beliefs are a true belief is something you act out, and to a certain degree, we all have the same beliefs to go along with that experience. And so, oh, and some of the the beliefs and the experience are part of the same experience so that that makes it even that's an important part that can't be left out i think right but we do have some masons that will go through the degrees that don't have the commitment to the oaths that they take or at least at the time they take them Mm -hmm. they might happen later Um, but i think that's okay too i don't think you can get everybody you know what I mean? Like, I think you're going to always have a percentage, whatever that is, that don't give a crap and are just doing it for funsies. Um, to become part of the Illuminati and rule. Yeah, world. exactly. And, like, who doesn't want that? Everybody does. I want mm-hmm. to I would do a poor job of it, but I would want to do it still. I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> I, the less I can be in charge of, the better. That's for sure. That's um, why. That's why. I don't know. There's nothing. There's. I mean, and this is a whole topic for another day. But I think leadership positions are, are good for people to have. I agree. Oh, yeah. I, agree I think, and that's one of the Maybe beauties of Macy of masonry is going through the chairs and having, responsibility mm-hmm. is and, not a bad thing. And mm-hmm. I've I've watched it happen, 
Well, yeah. I've watched it happen in the scouting program with young men as old as nine years old take on responsibility and do a fantastic job with it. And it changes it changes them. Totally. And when I say the less the less things are being charged of the better, I don't mean I think if one is given the opportunity like if you're elected to sit in a chair, you should say yes. You shouldn't say, Oh no, I don't want that but you shouldn't seek it. Right. You know, like yes, do it when when the task is assigned assigned you. But if you're if you're seeking it, that's just that's 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 another beauty of the craft that I think I like is that you're chosen by your brothers. You mm-hmm. you don't you don't electioneer. You don't. I'm glad that rules in there, but uh, uh, you're yeah you're chosen because of the needs of the lodge, not because of you want to be president for the day. And because there's seven chairs, only seven brothers show up, so you have no choice. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes you're sitting somewhere, buddy. Sitting somewhere, yeah. But Um, I think that was, I think that'd be an excellent place to cut this off at. Actually, I think it was a very like I think when we go for it, we do a really good job of like a natural conclusion point. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Because like that did that like this is a good conclusion. We've had we've been all over the place for sure, but like we wrapped it up nicely, solid thirty minutes. It was good. Yeah. And I love the, yeah, I, the social stuff is intriguing to me. I mean, I hated that class in college. <laughs> yeah, it was my sociology required sociology class, um, but uh, afterwards I've appreciated it so much more. That's the stuff I would just want to go back and I want to read that case study. I want to read that. You know. Because now you have a reason to care about it. Yeah. You just you got to be careful because, like, people always claim their stuff is more meaningful. Like the prison experiment. People still, to this day, cite that as, like, a conclusive study on, like, the evil of man. And, like, there is so much wrong with how he did that study. It's not very scientific. Like, he encouraged the guards to be jerks because in, in the beginning they weren't being jerks. And so he, like, kind of encouraged them. That's not a good experiment. No. That's not a good exactly. study. But when you when you've been fun funded to prove a point, you'll try to you prove try a to point. prove a point exactly. And now we're well, starting the, to do a podcast again. We should the, the other this up. <laughs> the other the we other side of the coin is anytime happen. humans are involved, it's biased. Yeah. It's it's going to be biased, and it's never going to have the perfect outcome, especially when it comes when there's gray matter involved. But, <laughs> but that's Alrighty. been our podcast. Yes. Thanks for joining us. Uh, we've enjoyed our time together uh, here today. Thanks to uh, Brother AC and Brother Jason for your expertise and your thoughts today. It's been uh, a good discussion. But we are on YouTube and any podcast platform, at least basically any pod- yeah, podcast platform. Yeah, pretty much platform. everything. Even Alexa. Um, we even have a website. Alexa has a podcast? You no, can you can play ask podcast her to play podcasts, like, podcast, yeah. but you have to be on to... Oh, I thought you meant my friend. Oh, no. Oh. She's a good podcaster, too. No, she is not a good podcaster. Oh, okay. She has a potty mouth. That's all I'm saying. Some podcasts do. Yeah. But we also have a website, which is, what's it called again? Fromthenorthpodcast.com. Fromthenorthpodcast.com. You can get into contact with us or see more of our things. We need to do more. If you want to give you an email still. My proton mail. Yeah, give me your proton mail when you I don't have one. If somebody just wants to make one, when you get one, I, you you have to put in your own key. So I find whatever that you're gonna have to type in every single Worth time. But it's encrypted. Uh, anyways, thanks for listening. The host of the From the North podcast are providing this podcast as a public service and for their own selfish motives. 
It is neither a legal interpretation nor a statement of any Grand Lodge, local lodge, or any Masonic body, or Freemasonry in general. Any reference to any specific product, subject, or entity does not constitute an endorsement or a recommendation. The rantings, tomfoolery, and views expressed by the guests and the hosts are their own, and their appearance on the program does not apply any endorsement of them, any grand or local lodge, or any entity they represent.